Only Dominicans will say something like that. Man. So, but I didn't have no, no place else to go, man. I was stranded here, you know. And I, so I said, oh, what the heck, man? Let's go to Noma, you know. Even if I don't preach, I'll just go over there and hang out for a little while, get a free meal or something, you know, man. <laughs> and, uh, and then the pastor told me, you really going to go somewhere else? And I told him, you called me and told me to go somewhere else. I'm, I'm just obeying what you, what you said to me. So anyway, it turned out okay. I got all my clothes in his house. I'm going to stay there anyway tonight. And, and tomorrow he's going to take me to the airport at 4.30 in the morning. I'm going to watch the Super Bowl over there. I'm going to eat his pizza. I'm going to eat as much as I can over there. Get everything I can for free, you know. And, uh, and, and I told Chris, it'd be nice if we go out to eat after the service. <laughs> Get another free meal, man. Uh, after being in the Lord and being a preacher for 50 plus years, you learn to get freebies all around, man. You know, right? Anyway, uh, I, I'd, I'd like to share. He told me what you guys were sharing about. Never send me a text. Never send me nothing. So I'm not even going to pay attention. Let him follow through next week. That's his job. That's why, you know, you guys support him or whatnot. So let him, let, let him earn his keep next week, you know, okay? Uh, if, you, if you go to, uh, how many of you know that the most difficult thing about this uh, whole pan pandemic is that you got to come back to doing the things that you did before, right? You know, uh, that's why a lot of people haven't come back to church. A lot of people haven't, you know, we've been separated so, so much. And uh, some people have even been devastated by, by, by this whole thing. I've had plus 380 plus pastors, friend of mine, die in the last year and a half, Right? plus some of their wives, even some of their children. So this whole situation has devastated, has divided us politically, has divided us, you know. Uh, yesterday we recorded a conference and a pastor friend of mine got up, but afterwards I got up and I said, dang, I've never seen this guy so mad at governments and whatnot, you know. And he was laughing and uh, somebody wrote me, wrote me from Venezuela and said, hey, man, that was funny what you said to that pastor. And I said, I was serious, though, when I said it. Because he, he looked like he's mad at the whole world, you know. So we, we're in a place that we're, we're struggling to come back to whatever it was, wherever it was that we were when the pan, pan, pandemic caught up to us or, or we entered into this pandemic. So one of the things that God is trying to do is get us, get us to say, Let's do it again. Let's start all over again. And I just want to share a word with you that I think will, will help you, if not encourage you, if not get you mad, one of the three, you know, man, right? Uh, uh, it got to do something for you. <laughs> the other day, my wife told me, I got something to tell you. She said, but you might get mad. You might be happy. And I said, just say it already, man. Don't worry about it. Now you got me thinking about what you're going to tell me. And anyway, when she told me, I said, I'm mad, I'm happy, and I'm hungry. Let's go eat, man, you know. Uh, and, and I said, then you're paying. 
And she said, you love free meals. I said, I, I enjoy them, man. I enjoy everything. So get ready, man. And I, I, you know, I've noticed that Pastor Chris have on some Hillsong, Hillsong boots, man. <laughs> I told his daughter, your dad got Hillsong boots on. <laughs> hey, man, you're trending, bro. <laughs> I got on my grandfather's shoes, man. <laughs> anyway, I, I, so with that in thought, I want to I wanna go to to a scripture in 2 Kings chapter 5. And uh, I want to read something to you that is sometimes I lose my mind. But in 2 Kings chapter 5 and we're going to go Verse 1, and then we're going to go to 9 and 10. Okay? I got to read it to you in English because uh, this is the English service. So let me see if I find an English Bible here. All right. Verse 1 in Second Kings chapter 5 says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him... The Lord had given victory unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but with all that that he was, he was a leper, you know? So that disqualified everything that he was. Now, not everybody knew he was a leper. Everybody saw him, you know, like this guy right here, you know, sharp looking, even behind the mask. If we take the mask off, it might be a different story. But thank God for the mask, right? <laughs> and... Uh, I hear somebody laughing. Is, is that Risita right there? Anyway, I was thinking about you on the way here, man. I was saying, I, was saying, I wonder if she's going to be there, you know. Anyway, so we look at him outside, but we don't know, we don't know anything. I, can't, I don't know nothing about him. So everybody saw Naaman. He was a great man. He was an honorable man. He was a, a brave man. But... Inside, he was suffering of a sickness, and the sickness that he was suffering of, of was leper. And leprosy in the Bible represents everything that disqualifies a person, a human being, from ever reaching his potential or maximizing his potential. So he, it says, but he was a leper. In other words, he was rotting on the inside, you know. He was, he was falling, he was dying slowly, you know. And leper was a type of cancer, you know, in other words. I don't know that much. I haven't studied that much of that, so I just put it as cancer, man, you know. That's the worst thing I could think of, you know. Uh, uh, and so he was disqualified. He was separate. Even though everybody thought he was great, that took away all of his greatness. He knew it. His wife knew it. But nobody else knew it, you know. And you know, one of the things is this. You always got to live by what God knows. Don't live by what you know and what you think that you know and what other people don't know. Live by what God knows. If you live by what God knows, then you're going to get up in the morning and say, I am a sinner. I am in 
deep need of God in my life. You're not going to get up and be proud and stick your chest out and say, I can do this. I don't need no help. I don't need nobody's assistance. But you're going to get up and say, I am a man or woman in need of God. I can't do without God. So live by what God knows. A lot of times we say, I look good. You know, somebody told me out there, man, you, you, look, you look sharp, Joe. And I, and I said, well, you know, I borrowed this suit from the pastor where I'm at because I just went in his closet and put it on this morning, you know. And, and the pastor said, I got a suit just like that. I said, I know, man. I said, I know, man. I got it on, right? But so... You, ha- you have to understand that it's not how you look on the outside, it's how God sees you on the inside. That's the important thing. Those of you that are at home watching through this platform, it's, it's what God knows about you. It's not what you think you know or who you think, it's what God says that he knows about you. And, I, and when, you, when, you do, when you look at it that way, you're naked in the eyes of God. You know? Naked in the eyes of God. Doesn't, doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter what you think or what other people think. It's what God thinks. And, and most Christians live by appearance. You know, we live by appearance. You know. <laughs> no, you don't live by appearance. That mask does you justice, man. You know, <laughs> keep the mask on, brother, even after the pandemic, man. <laughs> Buy him a couple of masks. <laughs> So don't, don't, live, don't live by that. Young girl in his house realizes that he's sick, says, hey, man, if you go down here, they'll pray for you. And you can get rid of that cancer that you have, you know. And that's how all of you got here. That's how those people got to be baptized because somebody told them, hey, there's a better way to live. There's a better way to spend your life, you know. That's how each one of you got here. It don't matter. It don't matter if you're a Christian way up here, if you're a Christian down here, if you're in between, if one day you, you are, next day you're not. You know, people measure all of that. No. You're here because somebody told you is a better way. It's always somebody telling you, you know. You didn't get up one morning and say, today I'm going to look for God, man. I need God, you know. None of us did that. Our stories are so sad. It's incredible, man. I was at the end of my rope, man. I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. I, I was a mujeriego, you know. I was un hombreriego, whatever you want to say, you know. I just, I, I, I sinned, man. I was so terrible. And somebody came and said, you don't have to live that way. You can live a different life. That's why we're here. So this girl said, listen, you don't have to be a lep, you don't have to suffer leprosy all of your life. Go over here. They'll pray for you. It's free. Well, after you get saved, they're going to collect tithe and offering, but it's free to begin with, man. <laughs> then for the rest of your life, you'll pay for it, man, right? <laughs> That's what somebody told me one time in church. In my church, I was sitting down. The guy next to me told me, he said, it feels like in every church you're paying for the sermon. And I said, I'm going to charge you extra because I'm going to pick up another offering at the end of the service. 
So get ready, man. <laughs> Pull your checkbook out, buddy. And she says, go over there and pray. So he gets ready. He gets some letters. How many of you know that we love connections? Right? We love connections. Yesterday we were eating dinner with some pastors, and this guy told me, hey, man, I got a good connection for you, Joe. And he started telling me all this. and He wanted me to go clear across the United States to connect with this guy. I said, why can't that guy come and connect with me? Why I always have to connect with somebody, you know? Give him my phone number. Give him my address. Give him my WhatsApp. No, not WhatsApp because Chris told me not to use WhatsApp no more, you know? Telegram, man. It's the same thing, man. They got your information, buddy. Just your social security number is all that they need, man. Matter of fact, I saw your name on a watch list, man. Uh, and he goes out there with, this, with all the recommendations to present himself to the king. Because he thought the king was going to come out and do this big sermon. No. So he turns around and he gets mad. And the king says, I can't heal you, man. You got, you got leprosy, man. I, I, I can't do nothing about that. So all of a sudden, the prophet hears about it. You know, prophets are like crazy, but they're good sometimes, you know. We need a couple of prophets around once in a while. <laughs> Keep us, you know, honest, man. <laughs> and, 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 and the prophet tells the king, why, why, why are you letting that guy... Talk to you that way. Send him over here. I take care of him. I got something for him. And he sends him over there. When he goes over there, the prophet doesn't even come out. Because we always want special treatment. You got to be careful with special treatment. You want special treatment? Humble yourself before God. And God himself will come down and touch your heart. God himself will listen to you. God himself will work on your behalf. God himself will take notice of your heart. So he goes and the prophet sends his servant out. Not the best servant he had. The worst servant he had. Yes, he was... He was a terrible servant. He came out, he told the guy, hey, man, my boss said seven times in the river, man. <laughs> and this guy said, seven times what? To go dump that rotten body of yours in the, in the river and don't kill no fish while you're at it because we eat the fish from there. <laughs> and this guy said, I expected the prophet to come out and do this big ceremony. I'm not jumping in that nasty river. How nasty could it have been? He's the one that was rotting. Sometimes you think of your condition as worse than the other person's condition. Sin is sin, right? So he goes and, 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 and he gets mad. And then, then the people around him come and say, if he would have asked you to do something great, you would have done it. Right? This singer asked me to go to recording now in a couple of months. And he says, I want you to pray at the recording. And I said, what do you need me there for? I don't sing. I don't know nothing about music. I don't care about your recording. 
Go record and sell your CDs and leave me alone. And he told me, he said, but it'd be nice because everybody knows you and wanna, you know. And I said, I, I don't want to go over there. I don't, I don't even like your music. <laughs> oh, I, I was honest with him, you know. And he, he almost cried. He was a big grown man. He said, man, that, that's painful, you know. And I said, more painful is if I tell you I like it and I don't like it. So I'm telling him, I'm being honest with you. If it was me, you shouldn't even record. Right? And so his father-in-law was there, who's the pastor of the church. He was laughing. He told me, he said, you heard him. You wounded him. I said, I intended to. So he could stop singing bad music and sing some good music, man. Anyway, but he tells me to go. And I said, look, it doesn't matter. Go, go record, man. Do whatever you want. And then he told me everyone else is going to pray. He wants me to go there and pray. If I don't know what, what it is he wants. But it's just so I could back him up. And I said, forget it, man. I'm not going there. You know. And then he told me, if I invite you to preach, I bet you want to come. And I said, I don't want to be nowhere where you're recording. Just go and record. And if God told you to do it, it's okay, man. Don't worry about it. You don't need me. You don't need the other three guys. You got to pray or whatnot. But how many of you know that sometimes when they ask us to do something great, we'll do it. They ask us to do something important, we'll do it. Because it benefits us. Because it makes us look good. And they told this guy, if he would ask you to do something great, you'd have done it. Man, you're dying. You're rotting inside. How difficult can it be to jump in that water and dip yourself a couple of times? And he realized it's not hard at all, man. So he went down to the river and he dipped seven times, man. He was obedient. And I'm going to tell you the first thing you need to start to do again in your life and in your service to God. You need to be obedient once again. You need to dip yourself in obedience. You need to start obeying God the way you were obeying God before. The pandemic, the, the, what is it, the pandemic or whatever? The pandemic doesn't, doesn't exonerate you from being obedient, doesn't exonerate you from doing what God tells you to do. You need to start again to be obedient like you were one time. You need to submerge your obedience once again, and do what God tells you to do. Stop making excuses and stop making all these buts, ifs, buts, uh, that, ah, but you know, this, it's been hard, it's been difficult. No, you're obedient, man, that's it. You know, when you tell your daughter, you obey, right? You want her to obey you, right? I'm not going to say your wife because you don't, she don't obey you. You obey her. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Look. <laughs> this guy's spitting in the air, man, and looking up, right? <laughs> this guy is laughing, but he's not making no noise because he knows, man. We talk tough, man. I talk tough, but when I go home, I say, hello, baby. How are you? It was good. Chris and Gabby said hello. <laughs> What's the first thing I told you, Gabby? I said, Ada said to tell you hello, man. 
Because I don't want her to call me later and say, did you say hi to Gabby? And I have to tell her, I forgot. And then I hear a sermon, man. ¿Qué te pasa? Estás loco. So you submerge yourself in obedience again. And you know, when, you, when you're going through what we've been through, it's hard to be obedient again. It's hard to come back and say, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, regardless of anything. So, you know, you need to submerge yourself or dip yourself again in obedience. You need to, you need to do it again and again and again and again until it registers and you realize I need to live a life of obedience. I cannot be disobedient and have the blessing of God. I cannot be disobedient and have God backing me up. I need to be obedient to God. There's no such thing as peace in your soul until you're willing to obey the voice of God. You can't have peace in your soul until you obey God. Until you just say, God, I'm willing to obey you. Dwight L. Moody wrote that. A revival, Charles Finney said, a revival is nothing else but the beginning of somebody to obey God. Your obedience is important for your walk with Jesus. Every time you obey God, every time you decide to do what God tells you, God takes you to a different level, you know? And a lot of people today, they're not obeying God. A lot of churches are not obeying God. A lot of churches are just doing whatever comes first to them. You know? There's a lot of Christian people in church too, man. There's a lot of people don't want me to go out and preach. I, I take care of myself, you know. I don't, I don't walk around, you know, hugging everybody and breathing on everybody and everybody breathing on me. I've been around long enough to know that people really die from these things. You know, my, my friend Jaime Morel died this last week. That's the way. Strong guy, stronger than me. Healthy. A friend, another friend of mine in Phoenix, Arizona, got sick, called me up one day, and he said, man, I, I don't feel well. I'm going to go to the doctor. Next thing I know, man, his wife told me he's in the hospital. Man. Never got up. Young guy, 44 years old, man. So, so you know, I'm not, I'm not looking. I'm looking to be obedient to God. Now, if God tells me to do something, I will do it because I've been in countries that got worse disease than what we got in the United States. I've gone in countries that are more dangerous than being in the United States, than being right here in Hialeah, you know. <laughs> For those that live in Hialeah, don't worry, man. Go home and be safe, you know. But, but, but the whole idea is obeying God has nothing to, be, nothing to do with being irresponsible. You obey God. You do what God tells you to do. And God blesses your life. The second thing that, that we see there is that we're going to have to submerge our 
uh, how do you say, how do you, commitment. I'm looking for words in English, man. El español me daña la mente, man. Those of you that have been, a lot of people slacked off on their commitment. They slacked off on their commitment and coming to church. There's a lot of people that won't come back to church. There's a lot of people that stop giving to God. There's a lot of people that stop serving in church. So God wants you to take your commitment and dip it again, submerge it again. Say, I'm going to become the committed person that I was at one time. You know, you, you don't lose your commitment in marriage. You don't lose your commitment as a father and a mother, as a husband and a wife, as a brother and sister. On the contrary, you increase your commitment as you walk in life. I've been married 49 years. It doesn't matter. I have to be more committed now than I was before. You know, the other day my wife told me, come in and give me a hug. And I said, I'm coming, man. You wait, wait, hold up for me, man. I'm coming. You know, and when I got, when I got over to where, to where she was, she told me, como que se me quitaron las ganas. She said, I lost interest in that hug. I said, you better come over here. I walked from over there. You know how hard it was to walk from there over here? At 12 o'clock at night? And she started laughing. But I said, get over here. And I hugged her for a while. She said, let me go. I said, I ain't letting you go. Let's walk to bed like this, man. <laughs> and she just, she said, you're so crazy. So you got, you, you got to come back to, to the Lord. You got to say, I'm going to be obedient, but I'm going to be committed. My commitment has to be renewed. My commitment has to be refreshed. I have to stand up and say, God, not only do I obey you, I am committed to you. Just like I was before the pandemic. Just like I was before I lost my job. Just like I was before I got into all these things because of this pandemic. Well, isn't that God's fault? God said, I will be with you all the days of your life. In every situation, in every circumstance. Commitment is what transforms a promise into a reality. Right? Commitment is what takes a promise and transforms it into something real. You know, how many promises do you have from God that have not become a reality? But you have no one to blame except you for a lack of commitment. But when you're committed, you make all promises come true. When a husband and a wife are committed one to another, it doesn't matter how big their house is. They love each other, man. They're committed to each other. I remember when I was going out with Ada, man, I didn't have no money. I ain't got no money now either, you know. Right? Not, not too much has changed. The other day, Ada said, I want to eat sushi. And she picked this sushi place out that's real expensive. And I said, I ain't got no money for that sushi there. I got money for a sushi con, con Tony, el que se cree que es chino, you know. And, and, and so she said, I'm not going to that nasty sushi place. I said, well, let's go home and eat cornflakes then because we ain't got, we, we just make believe we're eating sushi, man. And, and, but how many of you know when we were going out, 
we were so in love with each other. We, I'd say, give me some French fries. Give me a burger and cut it in four pieces. Sliders didn't begin now. Sliders began when we didn't have no money. We cut it in four pieces, slide two pieces that way, two pieces this way, and slide them into the mouth, right? <laughs> and we were happy. I take a little French fries in here, baby. And she take one. I said, put some ketchup on it. We love, we go hug each other, man. We, we, were, we were happy campers. We were committed one to another. Now, it's got to be, let's go shopping. Where? Ball Harbor. Where's that at? It's over there, man. No, because my car is, 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 is not nice enough to go over there, man. So, so let's stay over here. Let's go to Dolphin Mall, man. That's more our speed, right? But she, she likes over there. So now our commitment is, depends on so many things. No. Your commitment depends on that God loved you so much that now you're in a position to say, I will obey you and I am committed to you with all of my heart. Right? Well, that's what you said to her when you married her. Isn't that true? Yeah? I don't know. I wasn't there. You were there, man. Right? You told her, I will love you all the days of your life in sickness and in health. Your eyeball falls off, I'm still going to love you. I pick it up, put it in my pocket, and go on, man. We'll love you. Right? You weigh 85 pounds now. If you weigh 300 later on, I'm going to love all 300 of you. And that, that's basically what we were saying. I told this guy one time that my friend is the VP for... For, for AutoZone, he was getting married. I told him, I said, hey, pay attention. It's you that's getting married, not me. And he said, why are you yelling, Pastor? I said, because you're falling asleep. And three years from now, this lady might fall apart, and you're going to come with all three pieces to me and say, what do I do with her? I'm going to say, this is what you said when you got married, your commitment. So your commitment is important. You have to come again and say, I'm going to dip my commitment. I'm going to renew my commitment. I'm going to be a committed man and woman again, to, committed to God, committed to his kingdom. That, now, there's a difference between interest and commitment. When you're interested in something... You do it while it's convenient, right? But when you're committed to something, you don't accept any excuses. Just results. Now, don't worry about who said that because you're not going to know who said it. I don't even know who she is. I just read it, you know, and I thought it was pretty cool. But that's it. When you're committed, you're not worried about all these other things. When you're not committed... It's convenient, I'll do it. If it's not convenient, I won't do it. But when you're committed, you say, I will do it. When, when it's convenient, people, people that are not committed do things because it's convenient. When it's convenient to help the pastor out, when it's convenient to straighten the chairs out, when it's convenient to do something in church, then I'll do it. 
But the committed person says, what time do I have to be here? You know? You know how people tell you, here's my card, man. You ever need anything, call me. Right? A guy gave me his card. I had it in my briefcase, man. I get two blowouts on the freeway. And I remember, this guy lives near here, man. I called him up. He said, wow, who is this? I said, Pastor Joe Rose. Well, what can I do for you? I said, you can get up out of that bed. You can go buy me two tires. I don't know if they got a 24-hour tire shop somewhere, but go find me two tires this size. Bring them to me. I'm 62 miles down the road from you. He said, what? I said, I will not repeat it again, man. <laughs> he showed up in pajamas with some boots on, man. And he told me, he says, why of all people did you call me? I said, look what your card says. You ever need anything, call me. Don't ever write that again. Don't ever give a card like this to nobody. When it's convenient, it sounds good, right? Mi casa, tu casa. And I show up at your door with my suitcase. Right? <laughs> he said, go over to his house. <laughs> I had a guy call me up from the airport. He said, hey, aquí estoy. And I said, who are you? He said, in Cuba, you told me if I'm ever in the United States to come see you. Bro, and I said, I said, I said, look, I got no room in my house for you, but I will pay for your hotel. A month later, I brought him back to my house. I couldn't pay the hotel no more, man. I said, I got to rent a whole, a whole apartment for this guy. And he told me, he says, he says, you're such a blessing. And I was, I was getting ready to say, I want you out of my life, man. Como? That's right. He ate for him, his wife, his three kids, and his mother-in-law. But I had to fulfill that commitment because I, it was convenient to tell him that. It sounded good. Everybody around. But no, you need to be committed to Jesus Christ. The last one. You need to take your generosity and submerge it again. A lot of people stopped giving during the pandemic. I'll tell you a story that happened to me. I support some pastors, you know, every month, you know. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you how much because it's not important. But, you know, it's only important on the first of the month when I, when I have to send the money. <laughs> then I cry for a couple of days, you know. <laughs> It's either send them or my mortgage payment, you know. But God, I told God this. I told, walked in and told my wife, I said, I'm going to see how I can cut down on, on, on the giving, you know, just to be safe, you know. And I don't even know why I tell my wife stuff like that. Because I already know what she's going to tell me. And she told me, she said, you fulfill your commitment. And I said, ah. I don't know why I came in here anyway, man, right? 
So I went outside and I'm in my office with a calculator looking at the accounts. And I said, Lord, you tell me. I'm not listening to that crazy woman. You tell me what to do. And the Lord says, you fulfill those commitments. Let me worry about how you're going to do it. So I said, I worry too. I'm not the only one that worries. <laughs> so he said, on the first of the month, you send out your commitments. So I started to do it. I said, <laughs> felt the pain in my heart. Then WhatsApp started to come in. I'm sorry, Chris. What's up? And the WhatsApp said, thank you, man. You don't know what a blessing you are. And I got tears coming down my face. You don't know how in pain I am right now. So I go out and my wife says, oh, don't forget, you got to pay my credit card. And I told her, I said, I sent that money to Pastor Tony. And she told me, what? So I sent it to Pastor Tony. It didn't take six minutes, man, after I told her that, that I got a message from Wells Fargo Bank and said, somebody just zelled you some money. I got another message. Somebody zelled you some money. So all the money I just sent out got put back in my account. So I had to say, you know what, God, I'm going to come down here. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be committed. And I am going to be generous again. I'm going to continue to be as generous as I was when I was going out every week. When money was flowing in, I'm going to continue to be just as generous. You know why? Because God never leaves you. God never leaves you. God never leaves you. I, I, I was talking to a guy on the phone. He said, man, I lost my job nine months ago. Man, I'm so far behind and everything. So he got, he says, he says, I just come from the post office. I think I got a stimulus check in the mail. Well, it was a check for $38,000 from the IRS. Right? And I said, that's a mistake, man. Sign it and send it over here. They were going to send that to me, not to you. And he told me, he said, he said, you're crazy, Joe. I said, what are you worried about, man? That's God providing for you. So if you would have worked all them months, you wouldn't have got that much money. But God blessed him. And you know what he told me? He said, I never stopped tithing. I never stopped giving offerings. You need to submerge your generosity again. You need to start giving to God like you were when you, when money was flowing through your account. You need to, you need to increase your giving. You need to increase your generosity. You need to be more generous now than ever because that's where your blessing is. That's where your hope is, you know? So I got nothing else to tell you, man. I'm ready to eat lunch now, man. Right? At two? What service? The second service? Well, I'm going to go over there and pick out algo. You know, I don't know what it is. They, you know, them, them sisters in the thing, they, they, 
They make some scrumptious stuff there, man. So I'll get some coffee, man, get a couple of pedazos de pan or something, man. You know, we Latinos, we're simple, man. Just give us bread and butter and coffee and we're set, man. We don't need nothing else. We can go and kill elephants after that, man. But I want to pray for you. I want to pray and I want you to remember this. Don't allow your obedience to be affected. Don't allow your commitment to be affected. Definitely don't allow your generosity to be affected because what you give is what you get. You know, you can't ask God to give you anything if you're not depositing anything. Just like the bank. The bank will look at your record and say, sir, you haven't deposited nothing in three years. You can't take no money out of this account. You ain't got nothing in there, man. Right? But if you deposit, you can take that ATM card and take out. And you're always limited by what you have in your account. So you wanna you wanna be able to draw out, you gotta take your generosity and submerge it again in being obedient. This guy went and told this prophet, I wanna give you a gift, man. He said, okay. And he gave, he couldn't pay for the miracle. He couldn't, you can't pay for everything you've received since you've been here. You can't pay Chris. You can't pay Pastor. You know, sometimes people give me an offer and they think they're paying me for something. I say, you can't pay for this. It's priceless. What you can do is you can deposit into your account. <laughs> you deposit into your account, man. Because you're the only one that's going to draw from that account. I'll tell you something that God told me. I was kind of complaining to God. During this pandemic, I said, God, man, look at, look at the situation I'm in. And God told me this. How come you've never asked me for your harvest? Right? See, you've never asked me for your harvest. And I said, what the heck does that mean? You know, so I talk to God like that. I said, well, what does that mean? You know, I'm beyond parables right now. I'm in need. And God told me this. He said, have you put seed in the ground? I said, yes. He said, then you have a harvest. Ask me to allow you to harvest. And I, you know, I broke down, of course, you know, and I said, God, you know, my wife said, what's going on? I said, I'm just talking to my father. Leave me alone. And then all of a sudden, that night, I got an email from a girl that I had married. I didn't marry her, but I married her and her husband. You know, yeah, because the other day I said, a girl I had married 25 years ago, they said, how many times you been married, Joe? I said, too many, man. But a girl that I had married her and her husband, when they were in my church, they were two young teenagers, I married them. And she said, I've never honored you, Pastor, for everything that you've sown into my life. And I thought about what God was speaking to me. And I said, what is that supposed to mean? And she said, that I'm going to pay your mortgage payment 
for as long as I live. And I said, you, you, you can also pay for my car payment. <laughs> you can also take me to lunch once a month. <laughs> and she started to laugh. She said, you never cease, man. I said, you don't have to do that. She said, no, I, no, I don't have to, but I'm going to do it. And that month, she started depositing my mortgage payment in the cash app. I love cash app. Especially when I look at it, my mortgage payment is in there. But she said, she said, I've never sold anything. I've never, I've never, you know, honored you for everything you've sown into our lives. You know? So I said to my wife, I said, look at this. And my wife said, wow, man. And, and, and that is the thing that you have to do. You have to be obedient, committed, and generous. It's as simple as that. You don't have to go around giving money and all that. You do what God tells you to do. But if you can do that again, you will again feel the effects of the glory of God on your life and the presence of God in your life and in your house and in your marriage and in your children, all in your job and your relationship with others also. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless every person in this room. Bless their homes, their children, their marriages, their jobs, their businesses, and bless them in such a way that they will understand that they can never go wrong when they are obedient, committed, and generous. Very simple, Lord. Let us come back to the river again and submerge these things and obey you and commit our lives to you. And give to you from the abundance of what you've given to us. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.